Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All righty, good evening, church. Take your Bibles and join me in the book of Joshua this evening and chapter number 24, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, look at verse, look at verse uh, familiar verse of scripture, verse 15. Joshua speaking now to the Israelites, he says, If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods which, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Look at this last statement. He said, But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. Right? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I wanted to just pause tonight and a little family time together and I've uh, been pastoring for a couple of years now and I've pastored some, un, I just some great families through the years and I think I lose track of time, I really do. I think this might be my 36th year as a lead pastor, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood, 36, 37, uh, 1988 is when I started pastoring. So how many years is that? Where's the math people? 2023, 1988, 35, 35 years, 35 years, when is that? So this May will be 36 years, right now, as we started in May, March, March, this March will be 36 years, and, uh, and we've pastored, I mean to tell you, I'm, I mean this with all my heart, uh, some of the greatest families in America, I had the chance, my, my wife and I had a chance to be a part of their lives and pastor them, and it was, it was, it was wonderful. However, I have to be honest, right, I also pastored some families that were heartbreaking. They just broke my heart. And, and it was sad to watch the demise of those families. Uh, interesting thing is this, came to the same church, had the same Jesus, had the same Bible, had the same opportunities, right? Had everything the same. You know, the ground at the cross is level. Nobody, nobody gets a head start. There's no shortcuts. Uh, your family name means nothing to the Lord, right? Your bank account... Uh, balance matters not. What you're in matters not. Where you matters not. Color of skin matters not. We all have the same opportunity in the Lord to, to be successful. And through the years, I've seen, I've seen, and I've seen a lot of just mediocre, you know, nominal families, right? And you know what? As a pastor, you love them all equally. You know, you want them all to be successful and succeed. You know, but you know, you, the longer you stick around, you do notice that some, some, sometimes it, it just doesn't work out for some people, right? Um, I think this, I think according to what Joshua says um, in verse number uh, uh, 15 of this text, Christianity is a personal thing. Stay with me here. Christianity is a personal thing, right? I mean, you individually, your children individually, uh, they need to have a personal relationship with the Lord, right? Husbands can't do it for the wife, and the wife can't do it for the husband, 
parents can't do it for the kids, right? Can't do it for the grandkids. Every, everybody has got to have a personal relationship with the Lord, and I believe that relationship ought to be a growing relationship. Come on now, get with me, church. It, it ought to be growing. You ought to challenge yourself. You ought to, you ought to be able to spot staleness. You ought to be able to spot um, soft choices and decisions and compromise. You ought to be able to spot when you're not where you ought to be. You ought to be able to spot in your own personal life. Because listen, uh, many times people aren't going to come to you and say, well, you know what, you're not as happy or you're not as spiritual or you're not serving as much or you're not here as much. That usually doesn't happen. People tend to mind their own business, uh, tend to mind their own business. So we have to, we have to keep ourselves in check. Don't you agree? And, and so Christianity, look, look, look what Joshua said here. He said, but as for me, he's speaking about himself, as for me, right? And then he said, and my house. But as for me, I'm going to hold myself accountable. And my, my relationship with the Lord is going to be genuine and real and, and growing. I'm going to make sure I'm growing. I want, to be, I want to be in a growing relationship with the Lord. However, Christianity is also a family thing. It's a family thing. Um, you don't have to turn there. I'm already, I'm already there. You may want to jot it down. But in 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse 4, it says this, But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home. Let them first learn at home and to uh, requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. And so Christianity is a personal thing, but it's also, it's also a family thing. Here's what I believe. I believe if it's good for daddy, it's good for mama. And if it's good for mom and dad, it's good for the kids. Come on now. Huh? So it's a family thing. Never forget this one time. And this was early on in my pastorate. Single, uh, single uh, mother, fine young lady, fine young lady. Um, got saved, started growing, started coming to church, started coming Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I'll never forget this. And she had two children. She had a son and a daughter. She was raising them on her own. And she was doing a fine job. She really was. And, uh, and, and one Sunday evening, and I, I kind of built a rapport with her, being a, a single parent, I kind of helped her a lot, counseled with her often, my wife and I. And I'll never forget one Sunday evening, I saw her, and, and she was by herself. Her kids weren't w- with her. <clears throat> and I said, hey, good to see you, but where, where's so-and-so and so-and-so? And she said, well, I, I left them home. I needed a break. Now, as much as I understand that, I don't agree with that. Let me say that again. As much as I understand that, I don't agree with that. Because those kids needed church as much as mom needed church. Your kids need church as much as you need church. Amen? And, and listen here, I'm, I'm, I mean to say this, I want to say it right, I don't want to be harsh, I don't want you to misunderstand me, but in the day and age we live, we can't get enough church. Amen. Come on, let's be honest. Because this world is just anti-God, Christ, Christian, Bible, it's anti and there's nowhere out there that you and I are going to find it to be user-friendly. This world's not going to help me grow my faith. It's going, to try to, it's going to try to put my fire out, right? Everywhere I turn, it's going to try to cause me to say, man, just take it easy. Why are you so hyper? Why are you so, you know? I remember many years ago, somebody, somebody referred to me as, a, as being too much for the Lord. And I immediately paused and stopped and said, I wish I were. I wish I were, because I know me. I know my weaknesses. I know my shortcomings. I know the areas where I need a little pick-me-up, a little push, a little boost. Are you with me? Huh? And so, uh, 
in this text of scripture here, Joshua is calling himself into accountability. But as for me, right, I'm going I'm to serve God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to keep myself in check and my family. As for us, we are going to serve the Lord. You do what you choose to do. It's your responsibility. It's your family. It's your life. However, as for me and my family, we're going to serve God. We're just going to serve God. And, and I think this, I think that sometimes we are, we underestimate, I think sometimes we underestimate the influence that parents, let me say it this way, should have on their children. You know, uh, Bible says this, Proverbs 24 and verse 27, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. And what he's saying is this, we have responsibility and influence to build our homes as parents. And, and I think we, we, we need to understand the influence of us parents on our children. Can a child turn out right if he doesn't come from a good home or if he doesn't have good parents? Can a child turn out right? Sure he can, but it's less probable. It's less probable. Huh? I think, I think he has a better chance of turning out right if he has parents who are real and genuine and love God and serve God, you know? and take their responsibility as parents seriously. Huh? I, I do believe that. Uh, I came across this a number of years ago, and I want to share it with you. It's the tale of, of two families. I don't know if you ever read this before. It's a tale of two families. Um, they both lived at the same time in the state of New York. One was the Jukes family, J-U-K-E-S, and the other, was, the other family was the Edwards family. Listen to these, these stories. Max Jukes lived in New York, um, all his life. He didn't believe in Christ and didn't give any Christian training to his children. He refused to take his children to church even when they asked to go. Over the course of a couple hundred years and several generations, Max Jukes produced 1,026 descendants. 300 of them were sent to prison for an average term of 13 years. 190 of them became public prostitutes. 680 of them were alcoholics. His family had cost the state of New York well over a half a million dollars. None of his descendants had made any positive contribution to society. In contrast, <clears throat> Jonathan Edwards. Did you ever hear that name? <laughs> Jonathan Edwards lived, same state of New York, same time as Mac Jukes. But he loved the Lord and served the Lord to the best of his ability. He made sure his children were in church every Sunday. Over the past couple years, Jonathan Edwards had 929 descendants. Now pay attention to this. Of these 929 descendants, 430 of them became pastors. 86 became university professors. 13 uh, became university presidents. 75 of them authored good books. Five were elected to the United States Congress Two elected to the Senate, and one became vice president of the United States. The Edwards family never cost the state of New York one cent, but instead had made many tremendous positive contributions to society. A tale of two, two families. Isn't that amazing? What influence, what influence, what godly influence will do. And I remember, I remember putting together a several times over as I've pastored a list of things for I would compile things and just share them with our families because we were 
we were, at that time, we were raising our children as well, and so we needed all the help we can get, you know, and I wanted the, uh, the church members to help me, and I wanted to help them. It was going to be a family affair. Let's raise our kids together for the Lord, you know, and, and so what I would do every once in a while, I would compile a list, and sometimes I would call them observations. So here's a few observations. Here's some, just through the years, some things I've observed. If the parents have a good devotional life, usually the child does. You can say amen anytime you like. If the parents have a good devotional life, usually the child does. I used to make it a point, my wife and I would make it a point to make sure when our children were in our home growing up, they saw us reading our Bible. I didn't just harp on it, but I made sure they saw us reading their Bible. When we lived in, when we pastored in Pennsylvania, we had a two-story home. And, and so in the morning, when, I, when my children would come down the steps, you know, from their bedrooms, uh, the first thing they saw was me in my recliner with my Bible open. That's the very first thing they saw when I came. I wanted to make sure they saw me reading my Bible. They saw Donna reading her Bible. They saw me on my knees praying. They heard me weeping sometimes for those that were hurting or broken. Or I wanted to make sure they saw that because I wanted to instill in them the importance of it. Amen? Uh, I promise you this is true. Even now, every once in a while, my, 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 my children will come and stay with us. My son works close to here, and so he'll stay with us a couple days during the week. And I'm usually the first person up. My son comes down the steps. What do you think I'm doing? The first thing he's, I promise you, the first thing he sees every morning still, still after all these years, is me sitting in a different recliner, but it's a recliner, not the same one, but sitting in the recliner with my Bible open. He sees me reading my Bible. I want him to know still after all these years how important it is to have a personal relationship with God. Your children will do, I talk about this all the time when I talk to parents about, your children will do what they have to do while they're institutionalized. You know what I mean by that, right? Huh? The institution of the home, the institution of the school. But there's going to come a day when they're paroled from the institution. And now they're going to make decisions for themselves. Will they read their Bible then? Will they go to church then? Will they serve God then? Will they live for God then? And all we have as parents is the opportunity to raise them up, train them up while they're young, and instill in them the importance of these things. These are success tools. As much as teaching our children how to manage their finances, we need to teach them how to manage their spiritual life. It's vitally important. Here's another observation. If a parent, <clears throat> if a parent is, uh, faithfully serves the Lord, usually the child does. If the parent... Usually, usually happens when they faithfully serve the Lord, the child does. If the parents maintain good standards, usually the child does. Just some observations. If the parent has uh, a, a, a grateful attitude, usually the child does. It's amazing, you know, it's uncanny to see the influence that a parent has in their children when they take that influence seriously. And when we come to understand, it's our responsibility to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right? Amen? And so, just some things I compiled over the years. We're told that this, we're told that godly parents are honored by their children. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Proverbs 31, 28, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. And it all, I love that Bible verse. 
You know, I love it when my children, you know, talk about my wife, their mother, in such a favorable way. And that nobody can cook like mom. Nobody can do this like mom. Nobody can. I love that. That's when her children arise and call her blessed. That's a wonderful thing. Amen? Uh, we need to make sure we set an example for our children to follow. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. So we're setting the example for our children to follow. Right? And I wonder how many of us would say to our kids, listen, I want you to make sure you keep your eyes on me. Many of the times in our society, it kind of goes like this. Don't, don't, do, don't do what I do. You just do what I say. But what our kids are actually seeing is what you're doing. And what they're going to do, of course, is what you're doing. And so I want to give you, I want to give you a list of things tonight. Here's what I did for you because I don't want to wear you out. But on the way out the door at the welcome desk, you can pick this up. And I just have some things here, just I'm going to go through it with you briefly. I put this together for our families years ago in helping them. I call it tips for parents. Tips for parents. Listen to these, I give them five tips. What to look for. Proverbs 29, 15, what to look for. Look for who they're with. Look for who they're with, their friends. Huh? I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Raji last week was talking about bob you should have been here last where'd you you should, bob, you should have been here last week boy raji was singing your praises wasn't he church what tough parents you are now but raji raji mentioned something about this last week and i i kind of picked up on it immediately where you know sometimes he would say you know to his dad well i want to go with so and so and dad would say no you're not going to go with so and so and raji would say but so and so goes to youth group right so and so's in our church and, and dad would say, it doesn't make a difference. You're still not going to be around them. You're not going to be with them. Huh? And you know, there was some of the most difficult times of our lives in raising our children is when I would have to say to one of our children, you can't be with so-and-so. And, and a lot of times the response would be, you know, but dad, so-and-so, they're members of our church. And one time, one time, one time, my daughter said this to me, and it was true. She said, but dad, so-and-so's dad is a deacon here. And I wasn't saying to my, this was my daughter at the time, I wasn't saying to my daughter that that child is bad or you're better than her. God forbid, because that's not the truth. What I was saying to my child, get this, what I was saying to my child is this, and this was tough. What I was saying is this, when you two are together, you make mud. Do I need to explain that? Huh? When you two are together, you're just not good for each other. You know? Nobody's pulling each other up. You're both pulling each other down. And so I'm going to have to make the decision that you can't be with her. And so guess what I had to do? I had to go to her dad, who was one of my deacons, who I loved dearly. I led him to the Lord. And I had to say to him exactly what I just said to my daughter. Listen, I love you. I love your family. I, you know I do. I said, but brother, our, our daughters can't be together. Because when they are, they make mud. And you know what he said to me? He said, preacher, you're right. What can we do? And we set a game plan together, and, and we worked it out. You know? Listen, you got to be careful who you let your children buddy-buddy with, hang around with. Because those kids are going to have some influence in your children's lives. So I put this list, together, this list together, tips for parents. Are you mad at me already? I mean, you're not making any facial expression. You're looking like, oh, he's going to rip us apart tonight. I love you. 
You know, I'm more like a grandfather than I am anything now. And so I'm just trying to help you. Amen? Look, look, look for this. What, what to look for? Uh, what they're listening to. The music they're listening to. Huh? And I get it. Listen, I understand today, you know, we, we have a wide, you know, genre of music we listen to. I get it. I, I understand. Look, if you get into my car and drive down the road with me, uh, you won't hear all hymns playing. No, I, I like, I, I, I love, I told you before, I love brass. I love uh, horns. And, and so I listen to a lot of, uh, I listen to a fellow named Phil Driscoll who plays a lot of music with, with, with instruments. It's tremendous. I probably, I wouldn't have Phil Driscoll at church. Huh? But I'll tell you this too, that music I listen to, it's not sensual. You know, when I was a teenager, I, I, Brother, Brother Riddell, I shared a little bit of my testimony this morning. I got saved when I was 19. But prior to me getting saved, I was unsaved. Just making sure you're paying attention. And you know what used to get me roused up when I was, when I was 17, 18 years old? Music. Music. Well, I put music on to get me all kinds of wired up, get me all kinds of, you know, and, uh, and, and man, music has, you got to be really careful because music has a way. It's an influence. It's a spirit about it. And you need to make sure your children are listening to the right kind of music. Music that is ad- admonishing and encouraging and glorifying and, and spiritual and helpful. It doesn't mean it's got to be a hymn. It can be a, it can be a modern day artist. I'm not going to name any of them. That's all okay. But make sure you have some kind of influence in what your children are listening to. Not only that, number three, what they're watching. What they're watching on TV. I, I, I'm hoping that as parents, we don't just give, you know, open you know, freedom to our children to watch anything because I tell you, it's lewd and it's crude and, and it's sinful and it's disgusting. Even some of the commercials, just disgusting. <laughs> when we were coming up on, on, we only had one TV, I guess, and we had a little, little one in our bedroom, one TV in the living room, and we had on it, we had a TVG on it. You know what that is? It's called TV Guardian. TV Guardian. Guardian. And, and so we would hook it up, and every, every channel, every TV program went through TV Guardian, and what it did was it filtered, it was a filtering system, it eliminated all the foul language, all sexual content, you know, it even eliminated God. So if you're watching preaching, every time the preacher would say, and the Lord, it'd be blank, you know, so that way you couldn't use the Lord's name in vain, you know, and I felt a little bit of safety there. But when our kids were growing up, we had TV time. It wasn't where they come home from TV, grab the remote, and just sit there and veg. No, 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 no. We had TV time. It was a certain time each day or each night, and there were certain things you could and couldn't watch. You know, we just were not going to let that take. We weren't going to allow this to come into my living room and corrupt my children. Just not going to let it happen. Are you with me? So, who they're with, friends, what they're listening to, music, what they're watching, television, what they're wearing. What they're wearing. You know, I would never want my, my daughters or my son to ever wear anything that would be offensive. You know, I don't want my daughters to be wearing clothing that's going to cause, you know, the opposite, se- the, opposite se- the opposite sex to lust after them or want them or cause that individual to sin. Right? You know, I made sure whatever they were wearing on their shirts. Now, I know Nike or Adidas or all those things. And listen carefully. If you are going to monitor every little thing... For example, let's say, let's say Nike, and I'm just making this up, and I know I'm being, I'm being we're live streaming. Let's see, say Nike sends some of their money to, um, you know, abortion clinics. 
And all of a sudden, you go on a boycott against Nike. Right? And now you're jumping on everybody who's got a pair of Nike sneakers or wears a Nike hat. Man, don't you know, don't you know. If you're going to do that, do it for you. And be, be careful because there's probably other places where you send your money that are doing the same thing. And I'm not against that. I'm not against you holding back your money against Nike or Delta Airlines or just don't hold it against OB. Oh, my, that's turn. Right? But if, that, if that's what you need, I'm all for that. However, that ought to be for you. Because I used to have people years ago come along and say to me, oh, man, i never forget this one time. But pay attention to this. One time somebody, I was taking, a, I was taking, Tyler, I was taking a youth group. I was a youth pastor. I was taking a youth group to the Phillies game. Phillies game. And I got a phone call from somebody, and that somebody said to me, mm, uh, Pastor, you got a minute? Sure. I'll make, I'll make this real short. Uh, am I to understand you're taking our, our teenagers to the Phillies game tonight? I think it was, yeah, it was a Friday. It was a Friday night. I was going, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Pastor, don't you know that the, they, they, they serve alcohol at the Phillies game? I said, yeah, but we're not going to drink it. But... The person said this, however, you know, the Phillies are getting a kickback from the, at that time it was ARA, they were the concession stand providers, you know? And this person was trying to make a point that we ought never go to an establishment that serves alcohol that has anything to do with that. And they were really harping on me big time. And I have to be honest with you, don't hold this against me, but I got a little bit in the flesh. And so I said to this individual, are you sure you want to go down this road? Are you sure? And the person said, well, I just think you're dead wrong. I said, you sure? You? I said, let me ask you a question. Do you fly on an airplane? Sure I do. Do they serve alcohol in that airplane? And one after one after one after one, I just came back with, simply because I, I believe the person wasn't being genuine. I believe the person was just trying to, right? Now, if that person was, I would never want to be a stumbling block, but I just sense this person's not being genuine. They're just trying to zing me trying to take me out of the Phillies game. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say this, we need to be consistent, we need to be careful, right? And so even when it comes, when it comes to, you know, clothing, we've got to make sure we're careful with that. And, and some of our children, we ought to be careful what they wear. We ought to never let them wear anything that says something that is misleading. Arrows pointing to different places, you know, or words that are, you know, if, 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 if you're wearing something, like I said, what, what, what's that mean? Or what's that say? It's questionable. And then I wrote this down, where they're going. Activities, where they're going. Right? We need to make sure we know all these things about our kids because we want to be as thorough as we possibly can be. Don't you agree? Amen? Amen? And then I, I gave him this list here, and I'll finish with this. Don't get too excited. I'll finish with it. I'm not done yet. But I gave him this list, and I, I, I entitled this one. I, I have it for you. It's back there at the, at the, at the welcome desk. Ms. Cheryl has them. I gave this list to our, our families. And again, just compile this through the years. Listen, I, I preached my heart out this morning. I'm just venting a little bit tonight. Is that okay? Good. You'll get more out of this than anything else. You won't get this on TV tonight, I promise you. Principles for success. And I, I would just compile things. Anytime I go to a preacher's meeting, Doc, I always just write things down, go home, give it to my secretary, have him type them up, you know. And, and so some of these might be original. They may not. I don't really know. I just compiled this list. Principles for success. You listen, listen to this. Number one, 
and this is not in chronological order, doesn't make a difference. Never criticize a preacher or a teacher in your child's presence. Never criticize, and by the way, you got the list back. You, you, you don't have to write these down. I, it's on the list. Never criticize a preacher or a teacher in your child's presence. Now, notice I didn't say criticize. I didn't say never criticize. That'd be great if, wouldn't it be great if we never criticized? But let's be honest. Right? However, can I encourage you with this? And this is, I try to help people with this. Even, even, today, even in this day and age in which I live, I try to help our, our leaders to do this. We all are going to vent at some time or another. If you don't vent, you're going to explode. Right? Let, let me just make sure I'm, I'm, I'm getting under. How many of us vent? All right, let me tell you something about venting. You need to make sure you vent to the right person at the right time at the right place. Hello? Most of my venting is done with that dear woman right there. You know, and there's usually nobody else around. You know, we're never out in the public arena. I'm never sitting in a restaurant saying, I cannot believe that body of deacons that I have, and this one don't do this, and that one, Tyler don't do this. And No, you know why? Because I don't know who's sitting in the booth behind me. And that person in the booth behind me might be saying, boy, I wonder what church he goes to. And all of a sudden I'm walking out and saying, hey, let me give you a gospel track. Why don't you tell me I pastor that church? He pastors that church. Man, did you just hear what he was saying? Hello? You don't think that happens? It happens all the time. Look, let's just be honest. We're going to vent. We're going to vent. Make sure you vent to the right person. Never vent to somebody who's going to go and share what you just told them with somebody else. Huh? Because now, oh man, you're in a heap of, you're in a heap of trouble now, right? Especially if they go back and tell the person you vented about. You know? So be careful when you're criticizing your preacher. And you will. You will. There's no doubt about it. Listen, I've only been here a little, a little bit over a year. Trust me, I'm going I'm to get on your nerves. I've probably already gotten on your nerves. I'm probably driving you crazy right now. But when you criticize, when you, when you want to take a shot at me, you know, do it with somebody who knows you're just venting. Right? It's really not your heart. You're just venting. I was telling Tyler this maybe the other day. I'll never forget this time. I had a couple come in my office one time, and they wanted to vent. They just wanted to tell me what they wanted to tell me. And so the fellow went on a little bit of a spiel, and I just sat there. And, and I said, you know, you're, you're right about that. I, I, you're right. And then he looked at his wife, and I thought, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> he was gracious. He was kind. She wasn't. And she started, man. And I mean to tell you, she was, she was just, I couldn't believe the list she had, you know? And every once in a while, I would do this. Look up here. Every once in a while, i go like this. And i just look back at her. And i look back at her. And she said to me, she stopped and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just taking count of how many times you're hitting me. And I'm not hitting back. Uh, and she just was on point to tear me up. I mean, she didn't like the fact that after Sunday night church, we had volleyball games. Sunday is the Lord's day. We ought not play games. We ought not, I mean, that, that kind of stuff. Huh? I almost wanted to say, where's your car parked? Let me get it for you. 
I wrote this on the list. Never defend your child when your child is wrong. Huh? I, I won't take too much time. I won't, even, I won't even elaborate. That speaks for itself. Never defend your child when your child is wrong. Brother Preacher, you had a school here for a couple of years, didn't you? Did you ever have to get involved? Did you ever have to get involved? Yeah. You didn't want to, but you had to. Yeah, I can't believe how many times parents would come in and not give a teacher or an administrator or even their pastor the benefit of the doubt. They just listened to little Boopsy and Bopsy. Little Boopsy came home and said, and listen, my kids used to try it. You know, they come home, we used to have a teacher in our school, Mrs. Barron's. Mrs. Barron's was the best teacher in America, but she was tough. You know, and my son tried it one time. He go, Mrs. Burns, I said, look at me, come over here. Don't you say one word about Mrs. Burns in this house. She's the best teacher we have. You learn from her. I should have picked on my daughter, Nicole, because when Nicole had her, it was the same thing. But when Nicole went to college, guess what? She called Mrs. Burns and said, thank you for being so diligent. You've made me a better student. And now Nicole's a teacher. Are you with me? But it's amazing how many parents would come into my office and they're going to take little boopsy or little bopsy and man, they're going to, they're going to, and I used to, you know what I used to say to them? I think you ought to get a lawyer. And they look at me and say, what? I think you ought to get a lawyer. Why? Because you're putting me in the middle of a situation. You're making me a judge. And it's in the bylaws. I, I show it to you. It's in our handbook. You know, I always take the teachers, the, my first knee-jerk reaction, I'm on the teacher's side. I'm on the teacher's side. I'll hear you out, but you've got to understand something. You've got a little sinner there. I know she's got a beautiful bow in her hair, but she's a little sinner. Hello? Don't make excuses for your child. These kids are going to think I hate them tonight. Never permit your child to talk back to an authority. Huh? And by the way, let me just be fair here. There have been many times when I had to go to that teacher privately and and honestly say to them, are you out of your mind? What were you thinking? Why did you even go there? Why are you being so harsh? Look here, if you're having a bad day at home, leave it at home. Don't bring it into this classroom and make these kids' lives miserable. I was a great advocate for for our, our youth, you know, but I would never do it in front of the youth. Pull them in my office and talk to them privately and try to make those corrections then. Because look here, the last thing you and I can do is make, make, make our children believe that every time they have a, you know, a fuss, we're going to come riding like, you know, the shining knight in, in a, you know, what am I trying to say here? Knight in shining armor and defend them. Because what happens? Now they're 23 and their boss says to them, no, no, you can't take another day off. You've been off three days this week already. You know what you're going to do? All of a sudden, the boss gets a call from mom. Don't you understand how tired my son is? Your son's 23. Right? Yeah. Now, here's another one. Expect them to do what they're told to do. Expect them to do what they're told to do. It's, it's, it's hilarious how, how life sometimes goes full circle. When we were raising the kids on whatever night trash night was, it was my son's responsibility to put the trash out. You know, and, and, and let's, say it was, let's say it was Tuesday night, every Tuesday night, it was, it was the same routine. I cannot tell you, John, one time 
when Tuesday came around, I looked out and I didn't have to say, Joe, put the trash, trash was out. I, it never happened. It was always, son, it's trash night. Okay, dad. Hour later, uh, son, it's still trash night. <laughs> okay, dad. Uh, ever happened to you? Huh? Finally, son, go put the trash out now. All right, what are you getting so hyper about? I'm going to put it out. I'm not getting hyper. I want the trash out because you're going to go to sleep and I want to have to put the trash out. So guess what? My son comes and spends with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Guess what Tuesday night is? It's trash night. And so before I go to bed, I say, hey, son, guess what night it is? He said, I know, it's trash night. It's amazing how it goes full circle. I just don't pay him any longer allowance for that, you know, right? Uh, here's another one. Get this one. Parents, get this one. Praise them often. They do more good than they do wrong. You ought to be in a habit of praising your kids, you know? I mean, we're always looking for the very first thing they do wrong when we clock them, we clobber them, but we ought to get into the habit of praising them, you know, and blessing them and, and just, you know, letting them know how proud we are. I was, I was at a wedding on Friday night, and my pastor's, my pastor's grandson just became a sheriff uh, over in Philadelphia, a deputy sheriff, you know? And, and I walked up and I greeting my, my pastor and he said, hey, and he was, he was just so proud of his grandson. And I just, and I know him well, uh, he's, he's a cousin of mine. And I said, oh man, I said, his name is Mike. I said, Mike, I'm so proud of you. Kids need that. And he's 20 some years old, but they need that. They need to hear that, you know, because the other side of it is, oh, you fool, you can't do anything right. You're just like your so-and-so. Huh? Here's another one. Make sure you discipline your children, but do it consistently. Don't just do it when they do things that you don't like. Don't just discipline them when they get on your nerves, right, or when they make you angry. Be consistent with your discipline, and discipline's a whole other story. Keep your promises. Keep your promises. Huh? When I look back over my years of parenting, and we've been at it for a few years, if I had regrets, we sometimes when I, I broke a promise. You know, thankful for gracious children. He said, Dad, I, I know you had a hospital call, you had this. But you know what? For me, at the, I could have done it at a different time. Learn to keep your promises. It's really important. Uh, teach your children responsibility. Teach them to be responsible. Teach them to do their best in everything they do. A job worth doing is a job worth doing. Huh? And that doesn't mean if they do something, oh, man, you messed that up again. No, just say, hey, let me show you this. Here's a, here's a better way to try to do this. Look at it this way. Use it as a teaching, you know, tool in your child's life rather than, cannot, you know, oh, every time I do something, my dad just tells me I'm a fool. I can't do anything right. Yeah, you can't do nothing right. That's, that's not helpful. Teach them to do their best. Uh, teach them to ask. Listen to this one. Teach them to ask for things politely. Isn't that missing in our society? Huh? Man, it's terrible. Yesterday, I must have heard yesterday at least 105 times, and that's hyperbole, but at least 105 times a parent saying to a little one, make sure you say thank you. How many of you, do you have cars out there? Yes, man. <laughs> make sure you say thank you. And I said, thank, thank God for those parents. That's how, it, that's how it starts. I mean, they're just little tykes, you know. Make sure you say thank you. All they want is candy. You know, they got their hand out. And my wife kept on saying, grab a handful, grab a handful. You know? And mom's saying, no, he's going to be up all week. But the parents were saying, make sure you say thankful. Make sure you say thank you. And I think we need to teach our children to be polite. You need to teach them to be grateful for what they have. 
Amen? Can I share something you ought to do? Some, especially families with kids coming up, maybe the early teenage, 12, 13, 14, send them on a mission trip to a foreign country. Change their life. I'll never forget this. My, 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 my first child, Nicole, first time we sent her away, we sent her to Mexico with a youth group from church. And just, Nicole was always a good kid. I mean, she just a good kid. Never gave us any problems at all. Just a great kid. Um, but she was a girl. And she was 13, 14, 15 years old. Stace, right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, we sent her away to Mexico. She came back. She was a different person. She was a different person. She went on that old bus from Milford, Ohio. That bus will change your life because you're praying for that 30, you know, what's it, 66-hour trip on that bus to Mexico. <laughs> but she came back a different person because what she saw there was a third-world country. She saw boys and girls that had nothing. What my daughter had in just one drawer of her dresser was more than they had in their whole life. And she came back changed, I promise you. And that change lasted. It changed her way of thinking, you know. And so I think we need to teach our children to be thankful, grateful for what they have. Never give them anything they cry for. Huh? We were walking out of Walmart the other day, me and my wife. This little fella, I mean, this little fella about this big, man. You know, and big old dad. And this little kid, but I want that, want that, want that. And the father's trying to reason with him. And I, I was this close to giving him some counsel. Hey, I'm a pastor, I'm a grandfather. Let me tell you what you do. Get that kid in the car and beat the snot out of him. <laughs> I'm going to give him some wise counsel, Steve, you know, but I, I refrained. My wife did, however, now. <laughs> hey, here's a good one. Teach them to pay their bills on time. And don't pay them for them. They earn, they earn, they earn a, I don't know if you do allowances or what you do in your house, you know, but if they, you know, I, there, there's been times when, here's what I've done with my children, teaching responsibility, especially when they started driving and things of that nature, I would go help them buy a car financially and make them pay me back. They had to make monthly payments. And guess what? They missed a the payment. They couldn't drive the car. Huh? Why? I wanted to teach them how to pay their bills on time and, and how to be wise with their finances. That's for us to do. Correct? Uh, I'm almost finished. Uh, Teach them to read and pray. You know, teach them to read their Bible and pray. You know, teach our children to read. Uh, kids don't read today. They're always on them apparatuses. You know, teach them to read. And then finally, teach them to be faithful to church. Teach them to be faithful to church. You know, one of my fears looking out and into society down the road is we're just losing generations of young people in church. They're losing their interest. You know why? Because we're losing our interest. You know, and I know we're busy. I get it. I know we're busy people. Life has changed. It's a different world in which we live. But there ought to be some set times that we just do not monkey with. Right? And I'm not going to tell you what to do, what not to do. But there ought to be in your home, in your family, just some, some, some you know, just areas where this is it. This is what we do. I never forget, you know, growing up, the kids. Now, we, we, I, I was in the ministry. My, when my daughter Nicole was born, we were already in the ministry serving as youth pastor, assistant pastor. And so going to church for us was never an option. But I remember as they would get a little bit older, every once in a while, they would ask this question, you know, oh, are we going, are we going back to church tonight? And we put, my wife and I both look at them like, what family are you? Have you ever met us? Yeah, we're going back tonight, you know? Yeah, we're going to church. It's just what we did. It was our lifestyle, you know? But we made it such a point where our children wanted to go. 
You know, we, 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 that's why we had these Sunday night activities after services where the kids wanted to be there. You know, go into the gym, play volleyball, play basketball, have some snacks, do some things. It was just we wanted them. We wanted to live our life with other Christian people in this community of friends. And that's what our kids need. That's what they need. We're, we're allowing them to disconnect. We're allowing them to detach. What are we going to have in the future? Think about it. What are we going to have? We're not going to have church as we know church, right? And then we're not going to have the power of God to make an impact in our world. We need to be careful. I like what 3 John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Huh? There's no other job in the world that gives you more joy when things are going right. Isn't that right? Isn't it wonderful? Look here, isn't it great when your kids do something great? But doesn't it rip your heart out? Doesn't it break your heart when they do something other? Huh? It's our task. It's our job. Wise children bring their parents happiness. I'm finished. Proverbs 23, 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, yea, even mine. God's got a blueprint in Scripture, and all we need to really do is follow it. Amen? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.